Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. How's everyone doing tonight? Awesome, awesome. Glad to be with you. You may be seated. Man, I'd love to be with you all. I'd love to be in the presence of the Lord with everyone with the best church in the world. Come on, can I hear an amen? Oh, man. Awesome. Um, but as always, I want to just give a, uh, just honor our pastors, our pastors of the house. Uh, man, just love them, appreciate them and what they do for us. Um, but I also want to shout out um, everyone who, who calls this place home and, and you serve in ministry, um, especially this past weekend, especially this past weekend. And, you know, um, our pastor um, alluded to it earlier, but we had, you know, a record crowd and so many people gave their life to the Lord. And really, it was made possible because people were in, were serving in different areas of ministry. So I just want to thank everyone for, for doing that. And I'd be remiss if I didn't do that. But um, man, God is doing something. I love, love when people get saved, give their life to the Lord, answer the call of God. Um, just amazing. So, um, but I do have a word tonight. And um, I, I want to talk about something that I've kind of um, just thought through and um, just did a study on. And it's the topic of freedom freedom. And when you talk about freedom, you can go in, you know, a few different directions. Um, but I want to focus on the freedom that we have, the freedom that Jesus gives, the freedom that we have in Jesus. And, um, you know, you see many religions of the world, um, there's, there's a code of conduct, right? There's a way that you're supposed to live. You have to, you know, pray these many times, face this direction, don't eat that, eat this. Um, and, and that's supposed to say there's no standard that Jesus gives. We're supposed to live, we're supposed to live a holy life dedicated to the Lord. But um, in most of the religions of the world, this standard of living, this code of conduct, this is, it defines their salvation. It defines their salvation. So in order to make it to, to heaven or paradise, nirvana, to be enlightened, you know, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And then what's crazy, sometimes you don't even know if you did enough. And you're like, I, maybe I got in, but I'm just gonna, I'm doing my best. Um, and so for me, that's just a, uh, it's such a terrible place to live. It's like you're caged in. Um, and it's not to say we don't do those things. We don't be, we don't, you know, we want to be um, a good person. We want to live right. You know, you can read Proverbs and you can learn how to do that. But when you get down to it, it's, it's basically glorified chains. It's glorified chains. And, um, but what's amazing about with Jesus on the cross is, he fulfilled it all. So he fulfilled every letter of the law. It's summed up in the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. Somebody, well, somebody give the Lord some praise. It's all summed up. We don't have to do anything. <laughs> um, so the finished work of Jesus is the gateway to freedom. What Jesus did on the cross, it, it, can, it goes beyond our own comprehension. Um, and so it's imperative that un, we understand who we are in Christ. Um, and so tonight, I want to do somewhat of a, of a deep dive. I have a, a number of scriptures, and um, I know those in PowerPoint, they're, they're really happy with me with the number of scriptures I have. Um, but honestly, I think as, as we look into Paul's letters in Galatians and Romans, that we, we have a, a, a better understanding of who we are with our relationship with the Lord. So my goal tonight is that you, um, you would understand what it means to have the righteousness of Christ. Not, not your own righteousness, not mine, not our own goodness, not anything that we can do, um, but his goodness. 
And then I also want to talk about how poor theology can really hinder us from walking in this newness of Christ, um, this newness, newness of life that we have in Jesus. So if you're taking notes, I've entitled this Living in Freedom. Somebody say that, Living in Freedom. Say, I am living in freedom. So I'm going to read one portion of Scripture, and then I'm going to pray. Um, and then, I, if you don't mind playing. Okay, thank you. All right. So Galatians 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I'm going to read that again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He has done it. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for your presence here tonight. God, we're aware of your presence. We're aware that you're working in the room. Lord, right now we ask that in this moment that we would be just released from any distraction in our, in our minds. Um, Lord, we want to receive your word and let it land on good soil. Lord, right now in this moment, we prepare our hearts. We, we lean into what you have to say to us tonight through your word. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So I'm going to talk about just a, a, a four things, four, four ways that we can, that the Lord has given us freedom. And number one, we are free from the works of the law. So within the kingdom of God, um, there is a different, different types of understanding, different factions of Christianity, and really they're, they're laid out into how salvation works. Um, I mean, I wouldn't even call them Christianity sometimes, but with, within that realm, number one, it's, it, we, the theology is how salvation works, and then two is how, that, how do we know that we're saved? And so there are different markers of requirements. You know, we, we, we know that there's the, the finished work of Jesus. There's Jesus plus good works or only good works save or some kind of mix of it all. But again, I just want to tell you that there is nothing that you can do that t- can save yourself. There's no work of the law. There's no um, number of good deeds that you can do. No, no number of prayers that can save you. It's absolutely nothing. Um, it's not in our own strength, not in our own willpower, but we all have, need salvation. And so salvation is utmost important. I mean, really, it's the reason why we gather together. Um, we're, we're gathered under the banner of Jesus, which is our salvation. So Romans 3, verse 10, says this, As, for the, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. All right, Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. I know this is like elementary, but I just want to establish a foundation that we all need salvation. Every single person on this planet, we need salvation. Um, but let's now turn to Galatians chapter 1. And um, what's funny is that we, we kind of touched on this last night at RBI, at Reach Bible Institute. Man, it was, it was a packed house. And so I just want to shout that out. Um, Pastor Rob does a, such a great job. So Paul is addressing here um, the salvation, the, the gospel that he talked about. And he's saying, hey, there's something else that's popping up. There's an infiltration of a theology, some false teachers that are that they're coming in and giving us, giving you a gospel that did not 
that I didn't present to you. Um, and so verse 6, it says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Jump over to chapter 2, verse 15. We who are Jews from birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And so if you know anything about the law of Moses, um, including the Ten Commandments, there, this, these were these guidelines, these strict guidelines on how ceremonially, ritually, morally that um, the Jewish people were supposed to live. And the problem with that is it's so detailed, it's literally impossible to keep 100%. And then, so they, they had animal sacrifices to cover their sins. And so this is, this is how the relationship with the Lord is. That's how, and, and there is sin, and so they're trying to cover it up, and they have to do all these things. And so this is the law of God that they, he had for his people. And so this infiltration that Paul's referring to is basically saying, all right, we, we have Jesus now, but you still have to do X, Y, and Z. You still have to do this. You still have to get circumcised. And, and the non-Jews were like, hold on, wait a minute. They were... <laughs> Let's, let's read that in Galatians 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, did, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. So he said, hey, did you, did you receive salvation by doing something, by doing the works, or was it just having faith in Jesus? Verse 11 says, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. So he's saying, hey, is it, is, isn't salvation really just putting our faith in Jesus? So why are you going back? Why are you going backwards when we're supposed to go forwards? And so there's this divide. And I know that, you know, most of us, probably none of us, are, have any affiliation to do with Judaism. But in the same way, we can have that mindset, I'm trying to earn my way into the approval of God. I'm trying to earn it. I'm trying to do something. I'm trying to do some kind of work. When it's really just having faith in Jesus. It's that simple. Jesus fulfilled the law in its entirety. Galatians 5, verse 2. I know I have a lot of scripture. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. 
But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit on being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. So it's really just about believing, putting our faith in Jesus that saves us. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and, fallen and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All right, so I hope this is making sense. I hope we're, we're getting this. So on one hand, there's the Jewish requirement of the law, but on the other hand, that it's there's nothing I can do to be saved. It's only by the blood of Jesus. And so just want to establish this foundation that we are free from the works of the law. There's nothing that we can do, okay? And that's not to say that the law of God is, is bad because God's law is good. Uh, Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So number two, we are also free from the power of sin. We are free from the power of sin. Before we repented, we were slaves to sin. We were bound by it. It had a, it had a grip on us. It was in our very nature. Uh, Romans 1 and, and 2 describes how people started inventing new ways to sin. It's, it really is. It's destructive. And this is, this is the problem. The problem is sin. And this is why Jesus had to come and really tear that, tear that down. And so from the beginning of time, sin has shaped the history of humanity. It's, it's mankind's power, you know, lust for um, greed, power. Um, it's the reason why we have genocides and sickness all over the world. Um, it's the problem of sin. And so... Um, this, especially why this past weekend we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus conquered sin, hell, and the grave. Romans 6, verse 6 says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died, Christ, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So this sounds amazing. It's the truth. It sounds great on paper. Um, so if I'm saved and serving the Lord, I shouldn't have any issue with sin again. And so if you're like me, there exists a very real tension um, between doing what the Lord wants and my own selfish desires. So that's probably not your experience where you're like, yep, I'm freed from sin. I haven't sinned since I gave my life to the Lord. Um, but the truth is that sin has no power over you. So then how, how, do we, how do we reconcile that? Where I, I know that I'm free from sin, but then there is still a struggle. There's still this, I still have these temptations. I still mess up. How, how do we reconcile that? Romans 6 verse 12 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Your whole body as an instrument, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, 
for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So it's really up to us not allowing sin to have control. And so this is really the difference between a believer and a non-believer. Believers are, are not under the power of sin, but they're in grace. And so if we're under grace, we are now empowered to live a righteous life, not in our own strength, including the works that we do for the Lord. And so turn to 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11 and 12 says this. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. So it's because of the grace of God that we can live for him. 1 Corinthians 15, 15, through 10, uh, 15 verse 10, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. He says, but whatever I am now, it is all because of God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. Super humble here, for I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who is working through me by his grace. It's the grace of God that empowers us to choose the Lord, to serve him, to do the work of the Lord. All right? It's, it's not our own strength, not our own power. It's only by the grace of God. Number three, we have freedom from shame and guilt. I think sometimes many believers struggle with this um, because of they, they remember, and it's a good thing, you remember who you used to be. There's this hesitation to receive the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. Um, it's as if to say, I'm not worthy to receive your love. I'm not worthy to receive your forgiveness. And I completely understand that disposition in regards to the holiness of God. But no one is deemed worthy enough to receive it except that he invited us in. He invited us into this right relationship. Um, I was talking to a young guy who visited the, the office a month or two ago, and he was looking for a pastor to talk to. And so we sat down, and his expression, he was just, um, just downridden, just really just this expression of desperation. Um, and he was sharing a story about how he, he just... He has so much guilt and shame for who he used to be, and um, which, you know, to be quite honest, it's not a bad place just because we, we need to recognize our sin. We, re we need to recognize our need for the Lord. But he was such in a, in a, in a, a desperate place as if there was nothing that the Lord can do, that he was really just outcast and that he just wanted prayer, but that he didn't want to receive it. Um, he presumed that his sin was unforgivable. He was, he was really just ashamed of his homosexual lifestyle. And, and so he'd been in to pray, and I was just sharing with him um, just the, the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. And I, I just went up to him like, hey, you know, it, I don't know if you know this parable, but um, it's about a son who, who left his father, actually took his inheritance early, wasted it on, on sinful living, came to a point of realization that, you know what? My father's servants eat better than I am right now feeding the pigs. And so I'm no longer worthy to be a son. I'm going to be a servant instead. And so as he, you know, um, as he was making his way back, the father 
ran up to him while he was still a far way off and said, you know, didn't even make, give him time to, you know, give his whole speech. How am I going to be a servant? He said, you know, my son was lost and is found. He was dead, but now is alive. And I'm like, that's the love that God has for you. You, there's nothing that you can do. There, there's no sin too great that the Lord doesn't want to forgive. Um, Hebrews 8.12 says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sin. And so this, this is the, the plan before the dawn of all creation that Jesus would be, that Jesus would die and arise again. And so this is the love that, that, that God has for us. He's longing that we would humble ourselves and repent. Romans 5 5 says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So there's no reason to live in this place of shame and guilt. I mean, unless you're just, you're, you're still committing sin and living it and, and you're not repenting. And yeah, I think there's, there should be some shame and should be some guilt, but that should lead you to repentance and serving the Lord. Number four, we are to be living in freedom. True freedom in Christ is distinct. You know it when you see it. Um, and I can assure you that the righteousness of Christ exceeds all expectations. I'm going to say something that, uh, that seems almost counter to what you might think in, when dealing with, with sin and righteousness. Um, but, and it can also be a little prideful too. But I want you to consider the implications of the statement if this is true. And if you've given your life to Jesus, you say, hey, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ, I've repented, I'm, I'm serving the Lord then you're no longer a sinner. And that's kind of like shaking something in you. And you're like, hold on, wait a minute. You have the righteousness of Christ. You're not a sinner anymore. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 5, 18 Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So before Christ, we were slaves to sin, and now we're slaves to righteousness, Romans 6, 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So we are no longer bound to sin or considered a sinner. We are now righteous before God. We have the righteousness of Christ. Sounds good. So what does that mean? What, what are the implications? What, what's so significant about this? And this is really the crux of my message, why, why I'm getting here. I'm building a foundation for salvation, but also the righteousness of Christ. So here's the thing. If, when you recognize you're no longer a sinner, but someone who bears the righteousness of Christ, it changes everything. It creates this divide of who you were before Jesus 
and then who you are now. So Diga says something to the effect of Christians who sin are actually fake sinners. The Spirit of God is now dwelling inside of you and you have a new nature. The old nature is gone. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So here's the thing. If you think you're still a sinner, then you will make excuses for your sin. And you'll make excuses for your behavior. You might say, you know, hey, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm just a sinner like everyone else. And then you, you have low expectations for your life. Or you might say, I don't have high expectations for me when you've been serving the Lord for a number of years. And so when you realize that you're a child of God, you're a recipient of his righteousness, a host for the spirit of God, what should follow is a change in character in your life. You, cannot, you can no longer make excuses for you what you do because remember, sin has no power over you. It's not in charge. It's the spirit of God. It's by his grace. And so it's then our responsibility to put things in order. And so I'm not acting in my identity anymore. I'm, I'm putting on something faith. It's like, it's like it's, this is a poor example, but if, if you, let's just say, you know, you, you take a shower, you're super clean, you're cleaned up, and then you go to the bottom of the hamper, something actually you haven't touched in, in years, and you put that on. That's what it's like. You're not your true self. That's not who you are. I think too often we give ourselves permission to live outside our true identity. Romans 6, 22. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Let's read that in the message. But now that you found, now that you found you don't have to listen to sin to tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise, a whole healed, put together life right now with more and more life, more of life on the way. Romans 8 verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Rome, uh, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So the key is to walk by the Spirit. By the Spirit. So I have, I have one last portion of Scripture. Um, it's, it's the first Scripture we read. Galatians 5, verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step by the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So this is the key to walk in the Spirit. And so that is to put your mind on the things of God. Um, last night at, at RBI, uh, Pastor Luke um, was sharing, he's, he's talking about spiritual formation, and he brought this out, how um, there's a couple spiritual keys, and, and one of them for him is, is concentration. It's a word of concentration. And he said, what we're concentrated on is where our life is going to be headed. So when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about? When, when you have a break at work, do you just straight up go to your phone and social media? What, what, where are we concerned? What's our focus? What's our, who has our gaze? And so if we're thinking on the things of the Lord, we're going to be on the things of the Spirit. We're going to be living in holiness. We're, we're going to be pursuing Him. And so that is to put your mind on the things of God. Um, you know, recently we had a, a reel go viral this last weekend. Um, our pastor puts out... Uh, our pastor puts out, a, um, you know, some content a couple a week, and um, the one that went viral on Facebook and Instagram, and we're nearly two million views, which is wild. Um, yeah, shout out to all the, the editors. Um, this one was about how Jesus never called us to be a Christian, and it's really catchy, right? Um, and if you read the comments, a lot of them didn't, you know, they either didn't watch the video or they, they missed the point completely. You know, there's a lots of debates in the comments with amongst themselves. Um, but many accuse him saying, of, of saying that we're, you know, to, we're not supposed to consider ourselves Christians, which is not the case. And, um, you know, because those who follow Christ, we, we call ourselves Christians. Um, but the point of it is that we so loosely use it to anyone who claims, you know, they, they love the Lord. If they have a claim in name only, then, you know, they can say that they're Christians. But Jesus commanded us to go into the world and make disciples. Now, that, has, that word has, carries a, a much different connotation than simply Christian. It, it's, it speaks to one who is actively following Christ, who is a learner, a disciple. It's like there's discipline involved, and um, this should be all of us. And so if that is the case, there is going to be a difference in that person's life. Because you know, anyone can say, oh, I'm a Christian, and that just means they, they believe in God, right? But if they're a disciple, not that I don't know if we want to call her, oh, yeah, I'm a disciple, maybe. Um, just doesn't have that same ring. But there, there is a difference in, in how you're supposed to live. Walking in the Spirit involves this both practical discipline and a spiritual obedience. Um, but we were empowered to do it by the grace of God. And so this is, this is the difference between if, if you don't know that you, if you're living out your salvation, if you're trying to live it out, trying to do your, your own thing, you're going you're gonna to fall every single time. But if you recognize that it is actually, Jesus actually did it, now I just have to pursue him. It changes everything. So it's, it, this is both practical discipline, but also this spiritual obedience to say, hey, I'm going to obey the Lord. Where's, where's my mind? Where's, what am I concentrated on? Where's, where are my thoughts at? Um, and so let's, let's bow right. 
Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.